0: Okay, guys, uh, grab your workbooks here. Um, I have been going over time, so I'm going to try to leave more time for discussion. This is a great one. We're spending two weeks talking about Zacchaeus. Um, I have never preached a sermon on Zacchaeus in 15 years. I don't know why, so I'm excited. But go ahead and turn to Lesson 7, Grace for the Oppressor. Grace for the Oppressor. Uh, We'll talk about, again, Zacchaeus for the next two weeks. And there should be the text on the opposite side, Luke 19. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Luke 19, and I'm going to talk really, really fast tonight to get all this in, and I want you to have a great, great open discussion tonight about Zacchaeus. No little jokes, no short jokes tonight, okay? Uh, I don't take kindly to those. All right, you got it? Luke 19? You guys got it at the food table? All right, keep your ears open. All right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. Uh, Hopefully not too long so I can get all this in and then we're going to dive in and and meet this man um, and and see what Jesus is doing in his life. So let's bow our heads together and let's quiet our hearts. It's been probably a hectic week for you. Uh, Probably good and bad. It may be a tiring day. So this is our time to quiet our hearts, forget about phones and tomorrow and work and all the rest. Um, I hear that tomorrow's evil is sufficient for tomorrow. So let's not worry about it. Let's be right here. Let's pray together. Father, Um, Thank you so much for what you're doing in this church. Um, I am in awe um, of the heart of the people. I'm in awe of your Holy Spirit and what he's doing and adding to the body here. And just all the new faces who are excited to be a part of Bethel's history. I'm thrilled that Bethel has a history where people have anchored and And ward on this corner to keep a ministry alive and Jesus in a city. And it's an honor and a joy and incredibly humbling to be here on this corner in this great city. uh, Pastoring this church with these amazing people. And so I ask that you would form Christ in us more and more. Um, I ask that you would keep us humble. I ask that in five years we would remember how we... Receive these blessings by humility, by being Bible-centered, by exalting Jesus and make everything about Jesus and his life and his love. So help us to learn to walk in grace. Help us to learn how to show grace to each other. And um, thank you for an amazing week. I have to thank you, Father, for an amazing week. I have to thank you for amazing friends uh, who have worked so hard um, on so many projects in this church, not just to work, but so Jesus would be known in this place when we gather. And so I pray that their hearts would feel refreshed tonight. There's people working upstairs right now. I, I pray they would know a sense of, of you and your presence right now. And uh, just speak to us, minister to us, serve us as only our, our Father can, with, with graciousness as we see Jesus in the scripture. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so this series, which we're on week seven now, is is entitled Grace Through the Eyes of Jesus. Grace Through the Eyes of Jesus. And really what that is, guys, is it's a wordy way of saying how should the gospel impact you. If you're here and you are a Christian, if you have received Jesus as your Savior, what should that be doing to you? Just listen very carefully to this because this is very critical to understand. Now, Everybody, I almost said everybody's got a tree in their backyard, but then I remembered we're in San Francisco. No one has a backyard. Okay, some of you have a backyard. You're more fortunate than others. But think about this, guys. What do the laws of nature teach us? Where there's life, there's growth. Is that right? Where there's life, there's growth. We had two lemon trees in our backyard in Sacramento, which was really cool, actually. Um, And and it was kind of weird, because one of them did not bear good fruits, and one of them was bearing huge, amazing fruit. One of them was dead at the roots. The other was alive at the root. And Jesus uses this analogy constantly in the Scripture, so we can analyze our own soul. Um, as, as Graham's Schugel wrote in that famous book of his, um, when the life of God is in the soul of man, things happen. So when the Holy Spirit of God is in your soul, when you've been born again or regenerated, something begins to happen. I, I don't mean it's an easy road. I don't mean we, we don't mess things up because we do. But overwhelmingly, something begins to happen in the heart. First uh, John, let me just throw a couple of texts at you. First John chapter 2 and the end of verse 5, he says this, By this we may know that we are in him. By this we know that we're Christians. By this we know that we've been regenerated and, and, and we're saved. Well, how, John? How do we know we're saved? Whoever says he abides in him, whoever says he's saved, ought to begin walking in the same way in which Jesus walked. Those who say they're saved should begin through the Holy Spirit to show some of the attributes of the Lord Jesus. Those who are saved will begin to start seeing fresh ways to love, fresh ways to show grace, fresh ways to hate sin in our own hearts, fresh ways to long for justice in the lives of the oppressed. Fresh, fresh ways to find forgiveness towards those who have hurt us. That's the life of Jesus showing up in our lives. It's a long process. It's a messy process. And this isn't some type of legalism, guys. It's not, hey, we're, a Christi- we're Christians now. Let's try really hard to be good. This is a natural outflow of the Holy Spirit in us that's pulsating through us like water, like a river. Um, this is the life of God growing in our souls through the Holy Spirit. You can see that in Galatians 5, 19 through 24. Um, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, putting up with people. Those are the things that should be forming more and more in us. That's what we want to happen in us. We want to grow into the likeness of Jesus and find that peace. So we're looking at how, how Jesus lived his life so we can emulate Jesus and see these things show up in our lives. Because one of the ways that God grows these beautiful things, these beautiful fruits in our hearts is by us seeing Jesus in the scripture. It's not just going to happen. Um, he gives us a book, which is really weird. And as the Holy Spirit is in us wanting to, to push out love and peace and patience, that has to be coupled with emulation. We have to see Jesus in the Bible. We have to read things like the Gospels and go, "Oh, look, he's dealing with a really crazy person and look at how he dealt with him with love and patience and grace." And as we see how Jesus does those things, the Holy Spirit in us says, "You see that right there?" And then when we be- we begin to work those things out in our lives, it becomes second nature. Does that make sense? So the scripture and the Holy Spirit is is the way that Jesus is teaching us how to release his life. When we see the ways Jesus acts in the Bible and we begin to act them out in the power of the Holy Spirit, we become one with those things. It takes repetition. It takes practice over and over of, of learning Jesus and working out, working these things out. And so what we're doing in this series is we're looking at Jesus. We're looking at how he deals with certain types of people. Really complex people. We've learned that, haven't we? I mean, just from one end of the scale to the other, really complicated people. Confused people, broken people, angry people, religious people, non-religious people. And he's teaching us, guys, here's how I want you to deal with people. And we're seeing him. We're trying to work these things out. And we're gaining the heart of Jesus as we do these things. Um, I wrote this down. After all, guys, think about life. Life is a really strange journey. I could stop right there. (laughs) life is a radical strange journey but it's built around relationships there's no avenue of life where you can escape relationships and so God is seen in our world pick this up track me here God is seen in our world through how we deal with one another Jesus says you're my hands and my feet Jesus says you want to show the love of, of God to the world then love people I'll show myself through you So it's so important to see how Jesus dealt with people so we can live that life out and people can see Jesus. Easy to deal with people or hard? Right. It's hard to deal with everybody but me. I'm kidding. Um, That proves my point right there, doesn't it? Like, yeah, pride and frustration and we're weird and we're clunky and just all these, you know, humans are complex creatures. And so we're trying to show Jesus by the way we treat each other, but it's hard to treat each other correctly. Man, Jesus, show us stuff here in the Bible and let's emulate you. So this story of Zacchaeus in Luke 9, the little guy, everybody, you know, how many of you guys know the song? Zacchaeus what? Wait. We little man was he. Come on. Look at this, you guys. Sermon over. Let's pray. Right there. Some of you guys know the little kid version of Zacchaeus. Okay, all right. Stop it. Give me the mic back. <laughs> yeah, but I want to show you the real complexity of this guy. This guy's a real complicated dude, and we all know him. We all know several of them. He's in, he's in us, too, by the way. All of these characters we meet, there's a piece of them in us, and there's a piece of Jesus in us. Uh, if we're born again so we have this this collision uh, within us but this is a story for our age because if you if you're reading the news uh, there's a narrative right now in our country concerning oppression and oppressive people yeah there's a huge narrative right now uh, with women, women's rights and, and certain uh, rights for races, and uh, there's a huge attack on oppressive leadership and oppressive people right now. Uh, so much of this is healthy and good. So much of this is going off the rails, and it's misdirected, and it's chaotic. But none, nonetheless, we have this, this new narrative uh, that has that, that re-emerged, if I could say it like that, on oppression. Uh, I was sitting in uh, the crepe house down the road. Anybody been to the crepe house? I love that place, by the way. Um, I hang out there. I don't buy anything. I, hang, I just hang out there. They always look at me really weird, and I'm like, I try to sit with a, a glass of water that's free. Uh, <laughs> never works. And they won't give me the Wi-Fi password. I don't know why. Um, But anyway, I'm sitting down at the crepe house, you guys. And I don't know about you, I have a pretty clear conscience, but this freaked me out. So a cop walks, a police officer walks in, and then two walk in, and they're having lunch, and they're ordering, and they're looking around the room. And I don't know about you, like I'm not, I have nothing in my life where I'm breaking the law. I'm nervous right now. They're looking around the room for a place to sit, and I'm, I'm sweating a little. I'm like, man, you know, and it's like, what what is that all about? Remember, my conscience isn't clear. But anyway, so then two more come in behind him, and just uh, San Francisco police. And so they order, and they sit right next to me. And I'm a pastor, so everything should be cool, right? Four police officers. Four police officers. And so I, yeah, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, well, here we go. I got a Bible next to me and a Mac, and I'm like, well, let's do it, you know. Maybe I can talk to these guys, and I'm, I'm still wondering, like, Am I clear of everything? Am I clean? And uh, anyway, so this officer sits next to me and... uh what does he say to me? He says, uh, he says something about the news. The news is on and he's like, man, so much negativity. I'm, I get so tired of all this junk. There's so much oppression and fighting. And so I strike up this conversation. I'm like, man, yeah, it seems like everywhere we look, there's oppression and, and anger and frustration. And I said, man, you know, especially in your field, we just, you've got to just stay positive. You've got to find a place of peace. And he's like, yeah, yeah, right on. Now, his other buddies aren't as into me. They're ready to tase me a little bit, but tease me a little bit. And uh, they don't have tasers. No, they were loving on me. Um, They're actually really cool guys. Um, I, don't, I don't know about the entire police department. I'm just saying these guys were cool to me. It's all good. But nonetheless, here's what he said to me. He goes, I, I go, man, we just got to stay positive and, and, and find hope in this world. There's, there's enough oppression and negativity that swarms us. And he goes like this. Well, what do you do? <laughs> and I go, I, look, I work on the corner of, of 24th and Valencia. And then I'm thinking, he probably thinks I sell drugs now. You know? <laughs> and uh, he's like, 24th and Valencia. He goes, isn't there a big church there? And I go, yeah, I'm the pastor there. And all of a sudden, the whole, the whole feeling changes. Like three of the cops just turn and they start eating. <laughs> And it's a lonely place to be a pastor, it really is, you know, but this other dude starts really talking to me about hope and, and all this stuff. It was this really, really beautiful conversation. Um, but this is the story of our age. We start talking about oppression and how people are dealing with it. but it's not just oppression that surrounds us guys. Our world and, and please track with me here, our world is full. And this isn't a shot at a single person in this room, but our churches are full. Our churches worldwide are full. Our world is full of disgruntled, negative, hopeless, angry people. And I understand that life is hard. I'm not taking a shot at anybody. I have my angry, frustrating moments. If you want to know about them, ask my wife, the staff, or the elder board. Um, We all have these, these times, but overwhelmingly... It's hard to be in this world because of the hopelessness in people, the frustration in people, the disgruntled spirits in people. And that's pain. It's not to kick them while they're down. That's pain. Humans need healing. So what's at the root of this type of person who's struggling with oppression, anger, negativity, all of these things? I want you to write this down. What's at the root of an oppressive person is fear. It's fear. At the root of a control freak, an oppressive control, or I shouldn't call him a control freak, is fear. At the root of most sin is pride or fear. Let me explain what I mean. And this is going to go right into Zacchaeus, the little man. I believe what's at the root of ...of the oppressor or the controller is not only fear but loneliness. I believe what's at the root of that heart is pain. And I believe at the root of the oppressor and the controller... ...is a radical desire to be accepted and going about it in a thousand wrong ways. I believe that all all struggle in the human heart... ...traces back to what happened in the garden wherever you stand with Adam and Eve... The broken fellowship, the broken acceptance, and the broken identity that happened when sin entered the world is at the root of of almost every, if not every, problem in our world. Every one of my insecurities and frustrations is due to the fact that I'm looking for acceptance, love, and to be valued. And I'm looking in all the wrong places. Jesus offers all of it back through the gospel. The problem is we forget it. We lose it. And so what happens when someone is trying to control or they're trying to oppress, it's a very nasty, evil way of trying to gain acceptance and some type of security in life. And what's awesome guys is as we heal in the gospel and learn that our acceptance and our value and love comes from Jesus and we can be healed through a a fellowship of Jesus and a a celebration of of the cross and what he's done for us us Christians are the vessels that that God is working through to reach these type of people and show them there's a better way than oppressing and being a controller you can be free of those things, you don't have to fear um, being loved and accepted by people any longer, you can find that in Jesus. And that's hard when we're struggling with it ourselves. But I want you to meet one of these people in Zacchaeus. And I'm going to, I'm going to work this out just a little bit. So let's meet Zacchaeus. Are we little man. You like that? Luke 19. Let's read the first, uh, first two verses. We'll set the stage. He entered Jericho. That's Jesus. So he's back in Jericho. We know this, this is a Roman ruled city. It's the last stop before Jerusalem. He's going to the cross. He goes back into, he goes into Jericho and was passing through, <laughs> that's a real subtle way. Jesus doesn't really just pass through anything. He turns everything right side up. Um, by the way, uh, let me not go there. I'll run out of time. So much to say. Verse 2, let's meet our guy. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was rich. Okay, let me talk a little bit about this guy's background. When you think of, when you think of uh, Zacchaeus, who do you think of in our modern day? Anybody come to mind? I'm thinking Danny DeVito right now, help me, help me out now, I'm thinking Danny DeVito, like if you don't know who Danny DeVito is, just Google, uh, do a Google image search, Joe Pesci, Joe Pesci, Danny DeVito, 100%, like in the worst mob movies, that's what I think of, he's even got an Italian accent in my world. It's terrible. New York, New York accent and all this stuff. Anyway, so here he is. Here's this little man. Um, by the way, here's, here's an interesting little background on this guy, Zacchaeus. So he's a tax collector. I'll show you in a minute. This guy had an awful reputation. I don't think he, he liked himself at all. And I'll show you why I mean that in a minute. His countrymen didn't like him either. Here's why. Rome ruled over, most of you know this, Rome ruled over the Jewish people. And some of the Jewish people would end up working for Rome, and they would collect taxes from their own fellow Jews. Can you imagine that? Like, if we were taken over by another country, and I worked for that country, and I collected high taxes from you. And what's sad, if you, if you kind of look into this guy's background, if we can do this without doing an uh, injustice to the scripture, Zacchaeus means clean. It means Clean. Now, who gave Zacchaeus that name? His parents. With the high hopes that maybe he would turn out. And here he is. He's, he's, te- he's taking taxes, high um, extortion from his own people. Um, he's a chief tax collector. You see it in 19.2. He's a chief tax collector. I want you to think... Um, Goodfellas, <laughs> don't think Goodfellas. I want you to think Mafia. Uh, there was the big moke and then there were the little under them. So this guy wasn't actually collecting taxes. He had a team of tax collectors under him who went out and collected taxes, and he got a percent of that. This guy's making money. Um, this guy's in, in a steep, steep place of sin. His countrymen want to kill him. Um, that's what the zealots were. They wanted to kill these types of people. Um, his own countrymen don't like him. His family most likely turned against him. I don't know. Maybe his parents are highly disappointed after the name that they gave him. Um, and the question that, that bothers me in the story, you guys, if you really make the Bible real is why did Zacchaeus turn to this type of lifestyle? What happened? Why did he do this? Maybe he had a justification for this, but here, here, here you go. Rome, Rome is, is ruling over your country and you're a Jew and somehow he gets this idea or he's pushed in this environment of this situation where he reaches out to the Roman government and he says, I'll do that job. I'll take that job. Why? Why did he do this? I don't know if I, it's interesting that he was a little man and in the Bible, God is very clear that he wants you to know he's a little man. Uh, I don't know if he had an issue with security and control because he was a little man, and so he found a niche in society to where he could be powerful, to supplements. I don't know what's going on with this guy, but he chooses this avenue, this, this work, this lifestyle. Which is all about power. Not only power over the people through collecting collecting taxes under the Roman government. But he's got workers under him. So he's a powerful man. And I'm going to answer this, this question again. Why do people seek power? Zacchaeus, why did you seek this type of power? Well, I don't know exactly. But I know the human heart by studying myself. I want you to write these two words down. Fear and anxiety almost always push people into avenues of power. Think about it. We're going to psychoanalyze this dude. When someone is fearful of their future, if someone is fearful of what's happening to them, um, if someone is young and they're fearful of finding their place in the world, if someone is growing old and fearful of losing their place in this world, um, if someone is struggling to be valued, here's what, here's what the human heart tends to do. The human heart tends to try to control things and be in control because if I can control things, I can feel a sense of security. You'll find this root in your own heart. I find it in mine. 90% of life is out of, out of our control. Do you, do you realize that? 90% of life is out of our control. But here's, here's the problem, you guys. If we feel as if we can control something, we feel like we're back in control. But in order to control things, you're going to hurt people much of the time. And at some point, that fear of losing control has to shift from fear. Everything's running out of control, so I'm going to do this to control and feel a sense of security. At some point, here's what Jesus is saying. Here's the message of the story. Let go of that and trade your fear for faith in me that I'm in control. And if you trust in my sovereignty and my goodness and you follow me, I'm in control. You have faith that my control is good. You can let go of that that fearful, angry, anxiety-filled, controlling lifestyle right there. And that's the story of Zacchaeus. That's what actually happens uh, in this narrative. You guys tracking with me? That's intense, huh? I know, I'm a mess. We're a mess. So Jesus wants to set Zacchaeus free from this. Look at uh, Luke 19. Uh, verse 3, I'm going to come back to this, and he was seeking, underline that word, and he was seeking, how interesting, all that money, all that power, and he's empty. He's still seeking life. What, man, that should tell us a thousand messages right there of how the human heart is designed. Nothing can bring peace, not control, not power, not wealth, not money, nothing can bring security outside of Jesus. Jesus. He was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd he could not see because he was small of stature. So he does something that would have humiliated him. But it tells you how empty he is. So he ran on ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. He, he's so empty with all that wealth. All that... All that uh, power that he has, all that control, but he knows it's not working. He's willing to humiliate himself. Men in that culture, and they still this day, this was, a, this was an undignified thing to do. Um, they did not climb trees. I mean, it was just kind of this weird cultural thing. You just didn't do it if you're a prestigious person. It's like, you know, the president of the United States just kind of running up a tree. No comments. There's tension right now in this country. Verse 4, so he ran on ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Now watch this. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must, I must stay at your house today. What just happened right there? What just happened? You have, a, you have a collision of this man who's in radical power or he thinks he is. He thinks he's in control because he's got security and value by bossing people around. And, and uh, he thinks life is going to be stabilized by him trying to control people. And if I have enough wealth, I can stabilize my life. And, and yet he knows it's not working. He hears about this healer, this miracle man coming by. And he locks eyes with Jesus. Here's what N.T. Wright, the theologian, says. I love this. He goes, the moment when the eyes of the two men meet is worthy of an operatic melody. It's like this song hits, this beautiful melody that Jesus knows what he wants and he's looking down at Jesus and he's telling Jesus with those eyes, here's what I need. I need you. All this, this control, all this power is killing me. It's not working. I need something more. Now, here's the, here's the crazy part. We've, we've studied Jesus and here's what we've seen about Jesus. He's gone, he's gone about dealing with these types of people with grace, hasn't he? Watch this. This is almost confusing. Luke 19.5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up. Thousands of people walking down these roads in Jericho. He notices this little man here. And he looks up and he says to him this. Right here, guys. Watch this. Zacchaeus. That had to be creepy. Hurry. Look at the control. Look at the dominance hurry and come down for i must stay at your house today that's like me going up to john and going hey john i'll be over tonight and john would be like no you're not <laughs> but why does jesus come with such authority what's happening right here notice how aggressive he is he's saying things like i'm coming over come down now immediately i must stay It's not like he talked to the girl we met uh, a couple of weeks ago, potential prostitute. Um, It's not like the blind man. Here's what Jesus is doing Jesus is releasing this man. Jesus is letting Zacchaeus know that Zacchaeus needs to let go of his quest to be in control. Jesus is in control. You can trust him. So precious. Jesus has these angles. I mean, it's amazing. He's a master of humans. And Zacchaeus feels Jesus' love. (laughs) That's what's so cool. Zacchaeus is so tired of being in control when he finds the lover who's really in control. He flings away his lust for control. He says, man, you be in control. I've been in control so long and it's killing me. I just want to put my faith in you. So Jesus feels, he, he feels Jesus' love. He feels Jesus' care when they lock eyes. And he begins to let go of his power and control and trust the power and control of Jesus. Look at 19:6. Uh, so he hurried, man, he's pumped, and came down and received him joyfully. What can we learn from this? How can we minister to people who are stuck in this lifestyle? How can we minister to our own hearts if we're battling this? Well, go back to Luke 19:3 and 4, and I got to shut this down. Here's the word and he was seeking. I don't think I don't think we get what's happening out there at the level we need. We see people who are in power. We see people who are in control. We see them as oppressors. Um, We see people who are control fanatics and all of this stuff. And, And we just look at them and we're kind of frustrated with them. Instead of looking at them and understanding what's happening inside their hearts, it's not working. They're trying to find security. They're trying to find value. They're trying to find love. And they're dying inside. You've got to see people that way. They're dying inside. And if we can somehow build enough trust to talk to them, That they don't have to lust for control. They don't have to keep fighting for for wealth and power and all of these things. They can trust the power and control of Jesus and and rest in him and have faith. That's the angle you need to go at people to touch the human hearts. He's seeking. What does he know about Jesus? Luke 15, 1 and 2, he's heard stories that Jesus comes to tax collectors and he frees them. He frees them from the journey. And they find rest with him. So these people want to be free from this type of life. Uh, all people want to be free from this type of life. But this particular type of person wants to be free from this type of life. But we're the people of God who are, who are called to show them the better way. That the control of Jesus and the power of Jesus is a healing and beautiful authority that they can trade the, the journey and just rest in faith. So here's what I want to do. I don't want to even give us too many answers about how to really talk to this type of person. I want you to work it out at your tables. I'm going to lay it right there in front of you. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to turn. In a second, I want us to discuss this. We've got, I don't know, six or seven great questions. And here's, here's the mind bender we're going to continue next week. How can we actually help Zacchaeus understand this and come to Jesus as we come into contact with them? Week to week. But for now, uh, go through these questions. Think of Zacchaeus. Think of your own heart. and, uh, And work these things out, all right?